0: Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge. It's Amigos, Everything Amiga, 298. Hi everybody, welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about Monkey Island 2. Aaron, have you ever been to a Monkey Island?
1: I've never been to a monkey island, but I have seen an island that have a bunch of monkeys on it when I was at the zoo in Cincinnati. Pretty you know, cool. there
0: are there are two officially recognized monkey islands in Europe. There's, of course, Gibraltar, which is not geographically an island. It's well known for its island of resident apes. But less well known is Caldea Island in Pembrokeshire, which is in Wales. Uh, a group of Cistercian monks live in a monastery on the island. It's a well-known tourist attraction and a good place to see actual monkey business as you can purchase honey and chocolate made by the monks. What do you now, think about that, Aaron?
1: Did, did you just come up with that?
0: Well, that was actually Jigglebox. Jigglebox <laughs> oh. jiggle gave us a couple of Monkey Island factoids, and I thought I'd just throw them right in at the beginning of the show.
1: I, I was as stunned as I've ever been. That sounded so. I thought, man, how did he pull that out? You can feed the monk. Now, wait a minute. The, there's monks with a bunch of monkeys. Is that what we. Is that no, no, we came no, from? no.
0: It's a monk, sort of like my monkey in retreat yeah it's a monkey and it's a monkey island it's an island of monks
1: so who makes the honey and chocolate
0: the monks do
1: the monks do but yeah. there's and they and then you feed that to the monkeys
0: there are no monkeys on the island
1: oh <laughs> i think <laughs>
0: i think you've lost the thread here i have Jigglebox, so- thank you thank you for this these factoids you know there's a cistercian monastery right down the road in louisville kentucky did you know that aaron no, did they yeah. make
1: honey or chocolate? They,
0: they they make they make a lot of bourbon flavored fudge that I've given you on more than one
1: occasion. Oh yes, that is tasty. That's got yeah. that's got legitimate booze in it, right? Oh yeah, it's it, like it's at least ninety to ninety five percent
0: booze for sure. Yeah,
1: didn't we've had some? Haven't we drank some like straight up booze from like the monkey in retreat or something? Yeah, well, I used to have yeah I used
0: to have some Chartreuse and Chartreuse is made by the Cistercian monks in the motherhouse, which is in France. Yeah. And uh, and that's where the, the chartreuse monastery, that's where that 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 color and the liquor all come from. That has a very medicinal taste, not unlike the gorky list, Aaron.
1: Well, no, nothing tastes like the gorky <laughs> list, man. You don't want to be on that list. I've drank. I've literally drank stuff that was made in a chemical factory, and I still can't stomach the gorky list. That is the that's the most potent, brutal booze I've ever ingested. I don't think actual monkeys could drink that. It would be a, that was nasty stuff.
0: Now, would you, if if offered a monkey as a pet, would you accept it?
1: You mean like a helper monkey? Sure. Like, I mean, would he do stuff? I mean, if you could mow the lawn, for example. Well, that's I'd more of a up. chimp.
0: If somebody offered you a chimp in a suit is that like to difference? smoke cigars. Yeah. W- would you take it? I thought that, isn't that animal cruelty if you let them smoke? I don't know if it is or not. These days anymore, <laughs> it's hard to say. <laughs>
1: what, Do you think their lungs work differently than ours? <laughs> probably it's so. It's gotta be. So.
0: Listen, if enjoying a chimp in a suit, chomping on a stogie is wrong, I don't want to be right.
1: With a little That's hat? With a maybe little on hat. a bike? Yeah. Those yeah. are the good old days, Boat. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm down with it.
0: So, um, Aaron, before we get into talking about this week's game, the uh, Monkey Island Two, let's uh, dive deep into this week's Amiga News, shall we? Amiga News. Train. All right, here we go, Aaron. This is a guy named Gunner. And he's talking about the new Raptor Accelerator card for the Amiga 1200. Now, yes. as you guys know, Gunner is a member of the Vampire team. And this is all about this new Accelerator for the Amiga 1200. Now, Aaron, have you had a chance to, to read up on this thing yet at all?
1: I haven't read up. on I did catch some of this. I watched a little bit of this uh gimmick here this is sort of your uh this is sort of like the, the lower end oh it's like a, something in the lower range the it's a more affordable team. vampire yeah that's absolutely. right that's right i uh i did i saw this on twitter actually and i did i did mention i said you know it's interesting that this would get announced now now they, this thing from what uh gunner says this thing's ready to rock and roll i mean it's good to go right uh, uh i guess they're they've got them Almost ready to start, you know, selling straight up. Yeah. Selling. So
0: what this is is it's basically, you know, if you if you have a twelve hundred, you just want AGA with a speed boost and a RAM boost. That's what the Raptor gives you. So it doesn't right. give you all the all the other stuff, but heck, for a lot of people, that's all they want. That's all yeah. they want. Yeah. So there's no RTG. There's no memory card slot. There's no IDE connector. You connect it to the Amiga 1200 just like any other accelerator beneath the machine, and that's why you know it's it's so cheap. Now, how cheap is it? You ask. Uh, I don't believe that they have announced a price for this yet. Not that I've seen. But um, but I, I would imagine that this was the, you know, the, the opening salvo of this uh, this announcement and we will be getting we will be seeing a price soon with all of the competition in the FPGA space for the Amiga right now. And not to mention the FBA FPGA, FPGA space, but the, uh, you know, all the pie solutions and stuff like that, they may be kind of waiting around to see what else is going to surface and then try and match their 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 accelerator more competitively, wouldn't you say?
1: You know what's interesting, Gary. We need to know that guy. You know, it's uh, the timing of the announcement was interesting. Uh, with the uh, with the recent couple of other like low end accelerators that have you know the Buffy uh, mm-hmm. and the Pi Storm came out. So you've got a couple different options. They're vying for that <clears throat> that lower end market. First of all, hooray for there being a low end market on the Amiga! Yay! Because mm-hmm. <laughs> on behalf of poor people, I salute you. Uh, but I mean, assuming that the, that that the Vampire crew has something that's going to be on that, low, and that's the way it was sort of asserted. But it is a great time to have all these options uh, when they actually start shipping, uh, and it'll be interesting to uh, to get a good close look at some of these. Uh, but the, yeah, hey, any any extra accelerators that are affordable, I'm down with the clown on that boat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on down the line. Why don't we check out this next story? This is a new go tech device that has come out
1: the GoTech people have changed their the way their hardware works
0: that's what it is yes and
1: and so it's a different procedure to uh to uh adapt this over i'd be honest with you i saw this story but i didn't look into it that much because i don't plan on upgrading my GoTech anytime soon
0: the good it's one of those things that like once it's working you really don't want to mess with it you know once right. you can just drop files on the yep. usb and everything works.
1: So that's a boat. But yeah,
0: but I understand that there are people that are always looking to get every last ounce of performance and compatibility out of their GoTech device. So this new, this new firmware, uh, hopefully, will I think it's. I that
1: think stuff. they're also. I mean, I think one of the reasons they're changing things up is just it's a chip shortage as well hmm. was involved in this. So okay, uh, and that's something. This is going to be, you know, if I may do a quick commentary on this boat, we are entering. I think we're entering a, a, a bad time for the tech folk because we're going to get more and more of these chip shortages. And just looking out over the next two years, I mean, I'm not sure there's any relief in sight for a good while uh, on a lot of this stuff. And for varying reasons, uh, it's, it's a combination of lack of the basic components of some of the chips, the lack of the manufacturing to, uh, to uh, uh, be able to produce the amount that are in demand. The the Then there's also the issue of, ha- of having the people to, uh, distribute and and to travel the parts to where they need to go and all these various problems w- are causing just things to go to fall way behind if you follow the uh what's going on with the nvidia and and, and the amd with all their with their v- video cards is a perfect example of a combination of uh, uh demand outweighing outstripping supply plus just the lack of availability of the parts you need to make the stuff to make more for the demand Yes, and so absolutely. I think we're all going to, we're all going to take a bite of the sandwich this time around. And I'm, th- from what I've heard, I mean, you're looking at probably a couple years. I mean, you're t- they were talking about having to literally build new factories and tool mm-hmm. them and all mm-hmm. this other stuff. And it's going to be, it's going to get worse, a lot worse before it gets better. So, uh, uh, it's a good thing we've got all these cool things now. <laughs> because we may be holding on these cool things if, for if, a if you're
0: looking to if, if you're looking to acquire some electronics, this is probably the time to buy. This yeah, probably
1: uh, well, buy. Y- quick. Yeah, yeah, I agree.
0: Now, Aaron, this next video I put up at your request, this is a friend of the show, Chris Edwards. What's he got on the old workbench table right now, Aaron?
1: This was real interesting. Uh, it, Chris was on uh, the International Computer three, Is that three packs of Lucky Strikes there on the uh, workbench table? <laughs> that's the first thing i thought too but no or marbles no they're actually little they're actually pies okay Uh, so uh chris was privy to get one of the early uh uh gimmicks here for this pie storm and so what he actually does in this is he builds one and installs it and then he tests it now uh from i was talking it's funny i was just talking to uh one uh, to dave last night about this these, this is another instance where these things are going to are uh, the pre made versions that's possibly going to be tough to get for a mm. while. Uh, and so this is something you may not know, may people may not get a hold of for quite a while. Uh, but uh, what this is, it's, this, it's the old gimmick where you take a little board, you stick a, 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 a Raspberry Pi 3A in it, and it, there's just enough clearance to stick this into a 500. And then you alt, and then what it does is it, it effectively it emulates the the CPU, all right? And mm-hmm. uh, and that's what you've got in your Amiga. Uh, this is one of those areas where uh, if you're a purist, uh, uh, this you know you're you're going down that crazy road, you know. But uh, the results of this thing are pretty impressive. Now, you know, me and you we talked this off off the airboat. Me and you are more into the Armiga 1000s. We are anything else right now. I would love to see something like this come out for the 1000 uh, that desperately needs it. Or, you know, something anything really. Mm-hmm. But for the 500, I have to say, this was impressive. Uh, is impressive. Chris, it is he's he, he's he's so laid back he's almost dead and when he goes through <laughs> this stuff it's real funny to watch him uh, well you but know he goes- here's the thing i mean yeah. for
0: for a lot of people the amiga 500 was their first real computer they have a nostalgic attachment yeah. to the 500 they don't have with any other amiga and so they they're even though obviously you can go out and you get yourself a more powerful amiga or get a tower amiga or whatever yeah. uh people are looking to really hot rod These machines, because it keeps them locked in with that feeling of using the computer like they did when they were kids.
1: You know, you're right. I I mean, I think you're down with that. And I will say, as we come upon these, we just talked. We're talking about right now, just off the top of our heads, we're talking about three different sort of accelerators or multi cards that are coming out. Right. It will be interesting to see how these things go with the Buffy, because the Buffy's got a lot of hype, Mm -hmm. and it looks like a real great, a great little uh, gimmick. And you've got this thing here, and you've got whatever the vampire team's got cooking. Uh, and this one, I mean, we've already ran the Pi Storm. As cool as it is, and as cheap as it is, they've already ran into some issues with the. And this is issues I've ran into plenty of times with my Pi, which is corrupting the SD card by oh. not shutting them down properly. Mm-hmm. And so now, can they find a workaround? Maybe they have. Not, I haven't seen. And really, this is the only. This is the newest and most thorough video about the Pi Storm that I've seen. Right. Uh, so Chris is literally—he's the one-man gang now. I, his Twitter—he said he's work—he's got something else he's going to come out with, and I begged him to try forward with the one thousand uh, on in the in the in the, in the uh, comments. So we'll see what happens. This is a to be continued, but it does show promise uh, that something like this could uh, be a nice alternative vote.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm just happy to see all of this stuff going on in the, like you said, the lower end space. Yeah, uh, that's where we
1: live, Boat. Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Aaron, speaking of the lower end space, the 10-minute Amiga Retrocast is back with a new video all about what? Amiga Forever 9.1. Now, Aaron, you had a chance to check this out. I bet Doug is is pretty darn thorough when it comes to this thing, isn't he?
1: I mean, when you mentioned the lower space, this is the this is when you just go straight with software. That's as low right. as it gets. But uh, once again, uh, the people over at Cloanto, and you can you people have varying opinions on cloanto They've always been nice to us. I'm uh, down with the big yeah. C. But I will say this: uh, this is I have used uh, Amiga Forever Nine, and it's it is a nice improvement. Mm-hmm. It's not the perfect uh, thing, but they've done a good job. Yeah, they, I and, mean, uh, the, the big thing some, that I've
0: seen, being able to launch LHA files right from the GUI, they you don't actually have to go into a workbench environment. You just double-click on an LHA, and it decompresses, and it launches. That's great.
1: They've, they've done a lot of stuff. Plus, you've got um, that new interface that gives you sort of an arcade mode. If you mm-hmm. took, like, say, 50 games... And put them uh, on your on your arcade machine. You could, I mean, you could literally run this as like a front end and actually have it uh, have the pictures of the games come up instead of just going through the menus. It'd Be pretty cool. If you, I mean, if you've got four billion games, it's sort of worthless at that point. But otherwise, it's it's a neat idea. Uh, again, C sixty four forever is in lockstep with this. You could actually join the two up, which is nice. That's probably the way it should be. I agree with Doug The uh, Doug even goes into the forbidden art. Of getting your uh, three point one point four ROMs to uh, work in this, because of course Cloanto wasn't down with those, and so they didn't include. That's the one ROMs that they didn't include. Uh, but uh, through some cunning renaming, uh, you can make it. You can make it happen, boat, in here. It still has the functionality if you want to go that route. Uh, but listen, Doug, I, I gave Doug a, a, a big thumbs up for this. I, t- I sent him a message because I thought this was an excellent excellent thorough look at at this package i mean if you want to know anything and i mean anything about amiga forever 9.1 this is the video i mean doug does a tremendous job i gotta give him all the props in the world an excellent job
0: cool cool all right aaron we're gonna round up our news segment with the retro commodore hardware pick of the week this is the c64 freeload cart from retrorewind.ca uh aaron you know we we all have experience of us you know those of us in the commodore 64 world you know how deeply ensconced i am in the c64 world
1: you you Um, have a love-hate relationship with the c64 boat that's for sure
0: if there's one thing that you need when you're going to be loading uh, discs up on the old 1541 or if you have one of those SDIEC carts like you and I have, yeah. you need that fast load cartridge. Okay? You got that right, buddy. <laughs> now, these things are for sale all over the place, but yeah. uh, this, this freeload cart from Rewind has some, has some functionality that you're not going to find uh, with, with a lot of the other fast load carts out there. This thing comes with a machine language monitor, a disk editor, a system reset button. There's even a physical switch to disable the freeload cart so you don't have to yank it out of the system when you don't want to use it. So mm. uh, this thing is a, a really nice looking piece of kit, nice compact size, and at 27 bucks, you can't go wrong, Aaron. You
1: can't go wrong. I agree. You know, I've got an Epix uh, fast load on mine. Because like mm-hmm. you said, no Epics means no, n- forget about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's one of the problems I have with the Amiga, the C64, that there is no way to load a, a fast load cartridge. So you just basically have to sit there. And I can tell you, that sucks. Yeah. Especially when you're live streaming, by the way. <laughs> you talk about setting menus on my other streams, man, that's no good. So, all that said, this looks great. And this does have functionality that I don't have with the old Epics. Uh so yeah, that I'm be looking at that myself. That's 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 a good deal on that. Well, if you uh, do
0: decide to go with the uh the free load cart, you can save 10% off this or any order from Retro Rewind. Just use the promo code Amigos Spring Fun. All one word, all caps at checkout. Save 10% off any order. We do appreciate retro for sponsoring amigos. Great guys over there. Fully indoors. You ready, Aaron? You ready to jump in Is it time? To madness? Let's do I it, I think man. so.
1: Let's do it, dude. So, Boat, it's been a long time in coming, but here we are. And I, I can't recall when we actually covered the original Monkey Island. It's been a dog's age ago. But uh, it's time for us to jump in headfirst. Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge. Uh, this is a very anticipated uh, look at this game. We've heard a lot of people talking about this and asking about it over the years. And so, it finally... The, uh, the selection committee finally got around to it, and here we are. Um, let's get in. you know, and by the way, uh, I'm assuming you you played this back in the day, yes?
0: I, I fooled around with Monkey Island 2 a little bit back in the day, but I mostly played Monkey Island 1. Uh, really? I, I was one of the people that was like, well, I'm going to just play all these in order, and uh, I never actually beat Monkey Island 1, so <laughs> that was as far as I got. Well,
1: are you kidding me? I'm going to go get into that. So... Monkey Island 2: Chukserfish, of course, the follow-up to Monkey Island or Secret of Monkey Island. This was released in '92, uh, and on the Amiga, this came on eleven discs. Boat. Yeah. This was a monster of a game. This
0: is the this is the game that everybody points to when they said the Amiga really needed a CD-ROM, or they really needed all their models to ship with hard drives or whatever, because. Uh eleven discs is a lot of di- I mean can you think of another retail release that had more discs than this? I know there were.
1: I've got a a bunch of games that have a ton of discs over here, but I had to I'd have to go over and flip. I mean, this is at the at the top of the list. Let's just put it that way. It's funny, you know, before we get into this too deeply, I was reading some trivia on this, and they were talking about that that the, the guy that put this together uh uh did not want it to be released on CD-ROM. He Mm. said it would be too. No, this is a. This is what he said, not what I said. Okay. According to Moby Games, where I got some of this trivia, he said that uh, uh, it was Ron Gilbert, who was sort of that big man on this thing. He said CD-ROMs were too slow, and they and they wouldn't allow him to do what he wanted, and he did also didn't think that the CD format would last more than a couple years. Okay, Interesting. So he was pushing for this. Now get this part. According to the same uh, outfit. They were forced to delete six major scenes just to fit it on the, on the discs. And they, uh, and these scenes were never finished. So they never got that uh, they never, you know, no one ever saw them. So mm-hmm. that's kind of neat. It's funny. A lot. There were, they talk about some of the things that were deleted on this. We'll get into that in a little bit later, but uh, there was, it was pretty interesting the way that this thing came about. I find it bizarre that, that, that he didn't endorse the CD format, but you know, I don't know, but I'm sure he had his reasons. That's that's nutty to me. So anyway, 11 discs, and this was, of course, uh, developed and published by LucasArts. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, <laughs> obviously they did the first one. They did they've done tons and tons of great games over the years. Do you, you know
0: could... the, the first LucasArts game that was actually published? Because LucasArts started out as a development house and then other people published their games. Do you know the first LucasArts game that was actually published by LucasArts? No, I don't. What is it, Bo? It was Maniac Mansion. No kidding. That's yeah. the first one they so published. So ball, eh? Ballblazer and Fractless, those were all published, I believe, by Epics. Yeah. Uh, developed by LucasArts. So this Very was good. the first time they they did everything. Very or, good. I mean, folks. Maniac Mansion was sorry.
1: Yeah, yeah. So this this you know this wasn't as widely distributed as I would have thought. I mean, it was on most of the major players back in the day. Uh, the Mac got a port of this boat, which I didn't know mm. if you knew that or not. I didn't know uh, that. This was the last Lucas uh, Arts game that was put out on the FM Towns because they'd actually put several other ones out. I, think, I know Loom was out on there, Monkey Island 1, a bunch of other ones, uh, if you're familiar with the FM Towns from Japan. Uh, the uh, Of course, the PC got a DOS and a Windows version plus an updated version, which we'll talk about. And in this, this is one of those games that got a, sort of a retrospective gimmick done that came out on the iOS and the Xbox 360 and a newer PC game. So it, mm-hmm. they went back and sort of picked the apple again on this one, Boat. So uh, what is this game? Well, it picks up after the first Monkey Island. Uh, and uh, y- your character basically it starts off the game in a precarious position. I will say the beginning of this game I thought was amusing as it has your character and another character hanging off these ropes over a hole mm-hmm. and then the majority of the game is him talking about the story to this girl while they're hanging. Right. <laughs> I thought that was a cute a, a cute opening bit. Now, you know, of course you you you've played a lot of these scum games, Boat. Uh the the scum engine which is a, a the classic engine used on these it, this I wouldn't say they uh, reinvented the wheel or anything here with this thing, boat. I mean, when you popped when it, when you popped up the intro finish, it was pretty much just like playing the last one, wasn't it? I didn't see how much of a difference did you? Well,
0: I mean, th- n- there isn't a big difference. They did refine the Scum engine for this game. The biggest thing that they did was they actually made this is the beginnings of having contextual clicking in the Scum engine where. You know, right, left clicking always walks you around, and you can you can choose various options from the scum engine with the left click. But if you're paying attention and you hover over an object, the correct way to use that object will pop up. On, in it will actually the the text of the scum engine will highlight. So if there's something you need to open, like a chest or something, if you hover over that chest, the open option will will pop will, will flash. Yeah. And then you can right click on that object and it will do that secondary function. That yeah. is a huge, huge, huge step forward. It seems like a small thing, but that's, that's uh, it saves you so much time because guess what you do in this game? You click on a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so that, I thought that was the first thing that really popped out at me. Like, Oh my gosh, they, they've really, you know, they, they've made a major change here. Um, so that that's one thing, but by and large, you know, if you've played Monkey Island one, if you've played uh, The Last Crusade, you understand how the scum engine works. Every, everything is is to me. This is the pinnacle of of UIs in adventure games because you don't have to puzzle out what all the stupid icons mean that are so low res you can hardly see what they are. There's words, you know what I like words. Why? Because I'm literate.
1: Yeah, I will say um, the uh, uh, this game they started developing on this two months after the last one finished so they they gave the team and it was pretty much the same people mm-hmm. so that there would leave little room it's... in there and change things but they did you did mention the the one major change and the other one would probably be the muse uh musical introduction which this was the first game that had that and this was sort of a a, a big deal it, it, and it going forward i remember like uh, full throttle and some other games had where it was basically the music would come in at certain times when you were in certain spots there was a big score with lots of different little themes and stuff. yeah i
0: mean monkey island one had music that would go in and out but this was much more cinematic yeah it was much more was, cinematic
1: yeah yeah absolutely uh, and and you, you can tell a difference uh, uh, and and this game's also sort of renowned for having really really top shelf tunes in it it does have mm-hmm. a lot of catchy catchy tunes in it so you, you can't you can't deny that so I will say, just and full full disclosure out of the gate, uh, as most people that have watched Amigos for any length of time knows, I'm horrible at these games. And and this game was no exception. And I spent spent about two hours... I mean, I was at the beginning of the game. There's a lot of just walking around and talking and and reading stuff before it gets to the point where you have to uh, actually do anything that requires problem solving. Uh, And I, I did fall... I actually... Played for a while, then I followed along with a uh, with a stream that someone else had, had gotten far in, and eventually I just finished watching it. And I ended up watching the whole game, including the end of it, just so I could catch the story and stuff. One of the things that the Monkey Island games are known for, Boat, is uh, is their, um, uh, their dialogue and the mm-hmm. humor involved in it. And this game has that in spades. I would say, uh, and I, liked, I thought the first Monkey Island was pretty darn good, but this one... Man, there were plenty of times in this where I was I was chuckling out loud, for real. And mm-hmm. there's lots of good, like physical humor in this. There's uh, there's lots of a lot of the characters from the first game, particularly my personal favorite boat, the uh, boat salesman from the first game comes <laughs> yeah. back and he's selling coffins in this one, which I was I was terribly pleased to see that guy. He's always doing this. Mm-hmm. I love I love that bit. Uh, so they, I mean, you've got the same basic team. So you know, got that, the same that guy,
0: diagram. the the ship salesman guy. Yeah. He was actually, do you know this story already? I don't know. Tell me. Okay. So he was actually modeled after, I guess, uh, I think Ron Gilbert was from Northern California. And yeah. this game was made, you know, in the, the LucasArts Ranch, which I guess is in Southern California. And uh, apparently, there was this really, really famous car salesman in Northern California that, that had the bit. That was waving his arms all around. Yeah. It was like it was done in honor of him. But the thing is, everybody knows a car salesman that's waving his arms around all the time. So that's everybody that's, got the joke.
1: Yeah, you ain't kidding there. So uh, uh, the humor is intact. The uh, but one thing I think they've taken a major step forward in it. And and I thought the get. I thought the first one looked good. But the graphics in this are absolutely top shelf. Yeah. I mean, I, the shading and stuff, they took, this is one of those areas where they their artists took the limited, uh, the whatever limitations there were graphically, and, and they, they knew their craft so well that they honed these things perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I think this one uh, outpaces the original in terms of the look. What, what oh, do you yeah. think about the look of this one, Buster? Well,
0: you know, both this and the first Monkey Island game, people always say, why do Amiga games suck so much?
1: No one and says course- that but you. No oh. one says that, you lunkhead. They don't suck. Go ahead. So a lot of
0: times it's because it's literally like one dude, you know, that's either, you know, working at home. Maybe he's, he's got another job. He's doing it in his spare time. Or it's kids that are just doing the best they can. This is an example of a game that employed a full-time staff of professionals yeah, to take care of every yeah, every aspect of the game. Everything from the art to the writing to the you know the pacing, everything was done at a professional level. And that's why the game is an all-time classic. Who knew that if you paid people a good salary that were the absolute tippity top best at what they were doing, that the game would be good? And that's what happened. I mean, who wouldn't want to go work at the at the LucasArts ranch? You know, go go <laughs> ranch you <laughs> they know were on and, the and, ranch. And, yeah. I mean that <laughs> if you watch the if you watch the documentary about the making of the Monkey Island games um yeah. that was released a couple months ago you they interview these guys and they're like yeah we just spend time walking around the ranch most of the days just checking it you know checking out the sites going over to industrial light and magic going to all the, the the sound stages and see what was going on i mean they were inspired by all this stuff all of this movie magic that was going on and that's why this game is so cinematic i mean it's 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 really it seemed like just the ultimate and the best place to work because it didn't seem like these guys were under any great time constraints. you know, yeah. they basically were able to, to be as artistic as they wanted to be under the proper direction. so
1: well, you know and by the way, I told, we, we actually covered that release of that documentary a while back. didn't yeah. we I remember that I've got to go back and watch it. I totally forgotten about that. Oh yeah, you, I, wa- you, you I watched watch, it again in preparation it? for this. How, was it good?
0: It's amazing. Well, I mean you, it's, it's hands down. It? down it's on YouTube.
1: Okay. Very it's good. I I
0: I want to say it's it's called off the tip. I'm gonna have to look it up. I'll look it up in a second. But uh the 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 YouTube channel I'd never heard of. This guy came out of nowhere and he just dropped this like, Oh yeah, I spent the last three years making this documentary about Monkey Island and he interviews everybody. Tim Schafer, Ron Gilbert, all the guys were in there. So
1: very good, very good. So with all that, so you've got the good you've got the good sound, you got the good graphics, and you've got the good dialogue. So how good is the actual story in the game? Well, you're back in the role of a guy brush Thripweed, and you're trying. Almost, almost. I came close. Now, you Threepwood. Threepwood, there you go. I knew I was close. And what you're doing in this game is you're going after, well, I mean, ultimately, you're going after the big treasure. It's called the, uh, the, what is it, the Wampus or something like that? The Big Whoop. The Big Whoop. That's what it is. (laughs) And so, uh, at the beginning of the game, that's the plan. And then, of course, I don't want, i don't know how much we want to give away of, uh, towards the end of the game because the, the ending of this game—I was—I fell out of the chair, to be honest with you. But uh, so the beginning of this game is mostly uh, trying to just be able to leave the first island you're on because there's a little jerk that's basically taken over the island and then won't let anyone leave the island. I think his name mm-hmm. was Largo, mm-hmm. and so they—they they do a nice job in this opening part. Actually, I got through some of this. Where you're just trying to thwart this guy and get off the island, and so that's sort of a good opening volley for the game.
0: Yeah, well, you know, there's it again. Oh, and it's Pete from Honor Retro Tip. Thank you, Neil. Thank that you. is the 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 guy that does the Monkey Island, and actually, Neil is on that documentary, so <laughs> so you can check him out too, giving his uh, memories about uh, Monkey yeah. Island. But um, so the you know back in the uh, back in '89, uh, Ron Gilbert. Uh, published a, 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 I guess this is like a, a blog, but it wasn't a blog because, uh, oh, it's the Journal of Computer Game Design. That's where he published this, okay? He published an article called Why Adventure Games Suck, mm. okay? And one of the, and basically his his problems that he has that he, with the genre are all the problems that I have with the genre. And it's amazing that, you know, when he fixed them all, I suddenly like this genre. Uh, but one of the problems was there's no definable goals in what you're doing in the game. And in this game, you're never in doubt about what you need to be doing. Okay, yeah. the first thing the guybrush says is, "I need to charter a ship and get off the island." So you're like, "Bam!" I bet that's the main goal of the game. Then you cross the bridge to get in, go into the go into the town. The little guy shakes you down. You find out that he's shaking everybody down. Guess what? You probably got to get rid of him. That's the genius of this game. In addition to all of the other genius type moves they made, is that you always have a
1: clear path. You're always working towards a definable goal. You know, I never thought about that, but you're dead on when you because, you know, a lot of my experience from these sorts of games are go, you know, way back on like the Cocoa and stuff. But even back then, you just sort of went from problem to problem without really knowing where it was going to go. Yeah. <laughs> and so you're, you're right. This one, you, at the you've got to get off the island. Then you've got to you've got to assemble the map. Then you've got to get to the other island or or you have to escape from somebody. So you're I never thought of it that way, but that is an excellent way to put it. And this does give you I mean you definitely know what's going on as you get through this. Uh, you get a lot of different little areas uh you know as the game is split up and there will be a lot of backtracking uh through these areas. But ultimately, uh I think the uh the I think the adventure part of it, the story part of it is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. There were a, there were a couple parts that if i would have if it was me playing that part I would have given up because I gave up way before that party came up but uh I, for people that are into this sort of thing I could see how they would hang on to it but i mean like there's a part where you're you're trying to get a piece of this uh, uh, a map and the wind blows the ch- the piece of map all the way across the island and then you have to take that whole adventure to get that and when you finally get over to get that piece of the map a bird takes it to another part of the island. And I thought to myself, <laughs> man, the, the people that made this game were pushing it with this. And it was all a big, you know, it was a, it was a big uh, uh, gag. Right. But I would have stomped on the discs at that point. <laughs> After the third time, I'd be like, listen, screw this. I'm not doing that again. How... You not did you? Yeah, did you watch all the game or just some of it? How far no, you I, got into it? I still
0: sort of keep delusions of grandeur that one day I'm going to go back and I'm going to play this thing from yeah. beginning to end. So I, I played as far as I could, and I didn't really skip around too much for the future. But feel free to do that on the video because if there, there are things you want to talk about,
1: well, you know, there are. There's a lot to this game that that. It's all basically the same. Th- it's basically a lot of the old fetch quest stuff, right? Yeah. I need this, go get that. I need this, go get that. So pretty much that element of the game hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at least that when you're doing that stuff, they make it amusing. Well, There's yeah, and that's, the, of- the, the,
0: that, that's the thing. The, when you boil down adventure games to their essence, they're basically, you know, I need to get an item to combine with another item to advance the plot. Right. It's all in the presentation, you know, how, you know, when when you go to a new area, does it look like a completely different area with lots of cool things to check out and lots of people to talk to? Or does it look like the area you just left, except now the guy is green instead of orange? Yeah,
1: yeah. You, you, I mean, listen, that's a, that's a great point. And you're right. That, and that's one of the things that the game gets right. All the different areas are different. You're going to go to several islands. You're going to you start on Scab Island. You go to Fat Island, Booty Island, and that's my favorite. My, my kid walked in here, and I was I don't remember what I was watching, but they said Booty Island. He thought that was the funniest thing, and I, he's like, "What are you I playing?" Still think that's hilarious. Well, there you go. It's great. Great. You Island. get the mentality of 11 year old boy. I congratulations. Do. Uh, you also go to Dinky Island. I guess that was funny. That's for It's slightly you too. amusing, also. Yeah. Uh, and so there's you you have to uh, charter various ships to get places. I like the fact that there's a there's a chick that's trying to hawk voyages. She keeps offering stuff. She's like three hour tour, you know, crap like that. Uh, callbacks the old TV shows. There's tons and tons of callbacks, different Lucas properties in this. Mm-hmm. There's a big thing with the the Indiana Jones series. There's a ridiculous part of it, towards the end with LeChuck. Where they basically redo the Luke and Vader scene at the end of Empire. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you got that, saw that far no, into didn't see it. That. Uh, it's, I mean, it's absolutely I mean, listen, they don't lie. Uh, they, they, they know what they're doing. There, there was a part at the end, of, towards the end of this, where you're, where you ask this character about getting this gift, and one of the gifts you ask for is a Nintendo cartridge, complete with a little trademark. I thought that was weird. And I looked it up in one of the remakes, and they changed it to a LucasArts game. Mm. But there's a reference in this game to getting a Nintendo cartridge, which I thought was interesting that they would have stuck that in here. So there. And I will say this, uh, before we get into the uh, updates to this, uh, having, having watched this whole game and played as far as I could in it, and then going and watching uh, some of the remakes, uh, if you're a purist and you don't like when people tinker with stuff, you're not going to like the remakes. Because there's drastic dialogue changes in it. Uh, mm. I was surprised actually there was quite a bit of difference in the dialogue. Um, of course this game being on 11 discs uh, does not have any sort of digitized audio so when you're, you're when you're reading this stuff, there's no one saying it. On the newer releases of this, they've got a soundtrack with people talking and I had a chance to watch some of that and man after after going through the whole game, you know in my mind, and then hearing someone pronounce all the stuff, no, no, yeah. no, that's yeah. no good. Uh, it really changes. And if you don't like one of the characters, like I didn't like the guy doing Guybrush's voice and you're screwed.
0: <laughs> I still run, in, I run into that all the time with new games. You know, I'll be playing a narrative game and I'll just, I can't stand the lead character's voice. And of course, these days, you can just turn that stuff off easily and just watch the subtitles. But it's a real drag. It's a real drag. That's one of the things that I think Telltale really got right when they produced their new Monkey Island series. Did you ever play any of the new Monkey Island I have games? not, no. I've played a couple of them. In fact, I, I, I at least two I finished. And uh, the voice acting is spectacular. Really, really good. The guy that plays Guybrush, he sounds like, who I think Guybrush is selling. So, if you're into these type of games, I heartily uh, recommend the the new or the newish. I mean, they're 10 years old now. The Telltale games.
1: Can you imagine trying to cast these games after they've been around for 20 years or whatever? Yeah, and difficult. everyone because you can't make everybody happy. You can't even mm-hmm. come close. Right. You know it, that would be that would be tricky to say the least. Uh, so let's talk about some of the puzzles in this that I found I thought were interesting. Uh, there's a there's a part near the beginning. Uh, where you're trying to have a voodoo doll made of of uh, Largo, the guy that's got everyone embargoed on the island, the little jerk that shook you down. And there's a great bit where you show up in the swamp, and to get to the voodoo priest's house, you have to ride through the swamps in a coffin. Mm-hmm. It's real cool. The swamps look cool. The coffin looks cool. And when you get there, the... The coffin sort of glides into this little area, and, the, and the, it's like a skull, and then it, the, the whole thing like elevates up into her house. It's yeah. really cool. I mean, that was the I, little, I mean, the the, little the, boy I in me was like, yeah.
0: We've talked about this before, but we can't overstate how beautiful this game is. Yeah, I mean, every the art is off the charts. When you go back and you look at the first Monkey Island game, it's pretty much, think about it as like EGA-style graphics, basically. Yeah. This game has colors out the wazoo, and this is an OCS-ECS game. Yeah. Like, you know, what are we doing here? Why don't all games look like this? I mean, the colors and everything. I What would you compare this? I mean, I don't even know what you, because you can't say it looks like an AGA game, because it looks better than an AGA game. I mean, well, it just—it's—it's—it's mean, it's, it's, it's like pixel art taken to its zenith.
1: Listen, I'm not going to blow smoke on this stuff because you guys know how I feel about it. But when I say this, you know that I'm being sincere. This is these this is craftsmen artists that know their they know their uh, uh, craft and they're at the top of their game. Like I don't know that how you could have possibly made this look better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was uh, off the charts. And again, you're working with a, a, a limited palette here, uh, and I mean they've got parts of this game where you see close-ups of people's faces and stuff, and that's something else I want to mention about this. And of course, the first one this to a certain degree, but this one doesn't a There's a lot of aspects of this game where you're walking from one side of the screen to another. Now we've played this before, and and sometimes some games you just walk from one side to the other, and so, and so sometimes you can even speed up and go quicker and go across. Mm-hmm. In this game, very rarely does your guy just wander across the screen. He's following paths. He's, he's, uh, his size of him is changing as he goes off in the distance. He's going around curves. He's going behind stuff or through tunnels. I mean, they make it more visually appealing, right? By doing these things, they're scaling the guy down. I mean, it seems like a little thing, but if you, but if you play the game, you got to think, I mean, these games, there's no action really. So, I mean, you've got to have something on the screen that's visually appealing as much as you can to keep people more interested in in the, and in the, uh, the mindset of the game, and so these little flourishes make a huge difference. Uh, but in terms of the artistic quality, I can't think of anything that's better. I mean, it's probably—I know that's not probably—it's definitely the most good-looking of these sorts of games that we've played. uh I mean the uh, the, so the only game the
0: only game that comes close is I Flight if, of the Amazon. I Queen.
1: knew that's the only one, and it's not as good. It's, it's not, not as, as good. visually good.
0: It's not. I mean the 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 thing that Fly of the Amazon Queen has in its favor is more of the scenes have animation in them. Like if you go to like a waterfall, you'll see the waterfall moving. Right. There's more of that, but just from a static art perspective, this is as good as it gets.
1: Yeah, this is this is, and, I, and we both liked Fly of the Amazon Queen, yeah. and I, I still like it, and I like the subject matter, and it's it gets off. Of the, but I mean, this game. I mean we we played the Indiana Jones game, and it which was also a funny game. It's good looking, lots of interesting puzzles. But this game, like you said, it's going from EJ to VJ. There's a there's a graphical upgrade that just crushes that. Even at the very beginning of this game, when you boot it up and you see the dancing monkeys come out, you know you're in for a treat. Right. Because even that part's awesome. And then guy I mean, comes the, out. The, and we, the you
0: know, amount of I mean, this this is the closest and I say this in all seriousness. This is the most cinematic. 16-bit video game that's probably ever been made. I mean, it's the most movie-like experience. Yeah. When you sit down, I mean, you can sit down and you can watch this this gameplay and you can watch it play all the way through just like you'd watch a movie and be just as entertained.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's, that's effectively after I got to the point where I was going any further, that's effectively what I did. And I will tell you, uh, there were twists and turns, and the ending of this was a real uh, brain blower uh, in terms, and I it's one of those endings. It's going to be like uh, uh, some people probably like it, and some people pro- probably absolutely hated it. It almost reminded me. Uh, we used to watch this show uh, here in the in uh, the U.S. It was a it was a it was a British show, but they brought it over here to the U.S. called was called Life on Mars, mm-hmm. and it had a final episode. It was a movie about these guys that this guy that somehow got teleported from modern day to like 1970s New York. He was a cop, all right. And at the end of it, you find out it was a big – he was in, like, the future, and there were, like, sleep pods and virtual reality. It was just, like – it was, like, nothing to do with anything that happened. It was, like, mm. bizarre. And the end of this game is sort of like that. You're just like, whoa, what the – you know, I can't believe I just saw that. Very crazy. That's why I don't want to give it away because, really, Boat, you're going to want to probably play this to the end if you ever get a chance or, because it'll it'll really – it's something. Now, yeah. can you get to the end? I looked at the puzzles in this, and be, not being someone that's good at this sort of thing, I saw some puzzles in this that I thought were <laughs> I would have never gotten in a million years. Mm-hmm. There's one part in the middle of the game where you go up and trap. There are these. The, remember this? There were these guys were in the first game. There's these guys that be, they went and met a philosopher, and they became They became basically actors. They they were pirates, and they sit in this on this ledge towards the beginning of the game. And at one point, your guy goes up and captures their pet rat. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you figured that out. I don't know how you would figure out the tools to do that or what to do with it. The... I was like, I, I thought to myself, how could I ever in a million years figure that out? Little puzzles like that where you just like, I don't know where you could come up with this stuff. And I can't imagine the amount of time it would take to, to even figure it out. There's another puzzle later on where you have to put a telescope in the in the hand of the statue and, a, and it shoots like a laser through the front window of this house, sort of like Indiana Jones style from from uh, Temple of Doom, where he shot that light to that staff.
2: Mm-hmm. And it shows
1: this secret area. And that's another thing. I was like, my God.
0: Well, and here's the, amount the thing. amount of
1: hours it would take to figure that out would be astronomical.
0: When, when I used to play these things as a kid, I mean, you, just, you have unlimited time. You come home after school at 3 o'clock. And you just go to, you go to work. And what you do is you get everything and you use everything on everything. And then you put things together and you try using all your items on and you just systematically work your way through. And then eventually you figure it out. That's how I solved every single one of those type of puzzles like that. Now, the thing again, that helps you in this game versus other games, like say like beneath a steel sky or, or one of those other sort of, uh, you That's know, another one <laughs> less friendly games, uh, is that everything, whenever you hover over something that's important in this game, it it, a, it it identifies it as something important. So like, for example, that statue, like when you hover over the statue, it says statue, or maybe you can even hover over the statue's hand, it says statue's hand. And you're like, oh, okay, well, something's obviously got to go with this thing. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it just comes down to, you know, how much time are you willing to take? And in my case that time is very short these days and that's why <laughs> yeah. i end up watching i end up watching more playthroughs than i do actually play in the games because like i said with a game like this watching the playthrough is just as enjoyable i mean is 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 going through it unless you just really have mountains and mountains of time
1: i could never have beaten this in a million years i mean i i'll tell you that right now i i mean i there were stuff in this i like i said i couldn't believe uh, I will say one thing I didn't mention that we should have. There's a, there's a, there's a, at the very beginning of this, you can pick the difficulty
0: yeah. of this. You, I, 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 I don't that? know what that means, though. Did you figure out what, what I was different?
1: I just kept it on normal. Yeah, I probably I shouldn't too. have. Uh, I believe the other one will disable. Well, I mean, there's not really. I didn't see the action scenes or anything, so it might it might just strip out some of the more difficult puzzles. Maybe I should have played on that retrospect. But I knew if I played on that, you would hassle me. Well, there's a lot of
0: there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of puzzles in this game that require you to have somewhat of a reflex action. Like for example, very early on in the game, you go to a cartographer. And every once in a while, he'll put down, he'll clean his monocle, and he'll set it down on the table in front of you. And you've got to be fast enough to pick it up. And oh, yeah. so, you know, it could be sort of challenges like that where it's dependent upon your ability to move the mouse quickly. Maybe they peered that stuff down. I don't know.
1: Can you, by the way, I don't know if you've got to the point where that monocle comes into use. No, but you I didn't hold get on that far. to that thing for hours. <laughs> All right. I did get to the point, oh, I didn't get there, but I watched to get to, and it, I thought to myself, oh, yeah, he picked that thing up in the first 10, because even I got to that point where you pick it up. And I thought to myself, my God, how could you even keep track of that? You know, this is, these games baffle me, uh, Bo. I mean, I really do. It's just a game I can never wrap my head around in, in a million years. Now, uh, I want to talk about. Uh, a couple extra things. This game's also sort of known. I think the first one. I'm not sure the first one had this, but I know this one did. This thing, if you've got the right rig on, like the DOS machine, it has like a MIDI output. And, mm-hmm. and it's funny. I was all, I, here recently. All the rage on the Mister is getting these little like uh, MIDI gimmicks. Have I mean, you seen these things? They strap to the front of the Mister, and they and they they can use it to play these MIDI. And I, I guess have seen a lot. I guess a lot of the Lucasarts games had like supported that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny because I didn't know anyone back in the day that had that rig. They play yeah. the MIDI files, but uh, from what I read, the MIDI stuff was literally st- like hand played, and up like the stuff in it was like just straight off the guy who just played its you know keyboard. It was good to mm-hmm. go. So you're supposedly that makes the, that really enhances it or whatever. I could see. I've listened to it. It sounds pretty cool, but it's you know I don't know if I'd spend the extra money to get it. And like I said, no what I knew in the old days when it came to DOS. If you had a sound card, you were laughing. No one knew about sound tables or or MIDI, you know, none, of, none of people. It I was knew. definitely a
0: niche, it was a niche market for sure. Yeah.
1: And and there weren't a ton of support for that stuff back in the day. Mm. But it's, it's still, I thought I mentioned it uh uh on on there. Uh well say, like I said, the the music in this is it just on the Amiga straight up is, is pretty good. Now I looked into this and I got a uh, two different reports of how well this game did. Uh and we'll get into the reviews here in a minute. So uh, they talked to they talked to one of the designers, Tim Schaefer, about this, and he said that they sold about 25,000 copies of Monkey Island 2. And they said LucasArts was hoping they would sell 100,000 copies. Mm. All right? And they also said that management came down and said, listen, this is the end of the Monkey Island series. You're doing <laughs> something else. And so ultimately, right. what they ended up doing was Full Throttle, which mm. didn't get an Amiga release. I have played that on DOS. That was actually a pretty fun game. But it's a lot different, and this is it's got a lot more action stuff in it than this does. Now, when I went to a, a, a different source, it claimed that Monkey Island Two was one of the best-selling adventure games of all time, having sold over five hundred thousand copies.
0: I don't so, believe that.
1: So, one would wonder uh, what the truth because of that if, is.
0: if that if that was the truth, then we'd have had Monkey Island Three a year later.
1: Well, we don't know. It says here as of two thousand four. Okay which that would be 12 years after the release, they had sold 500,000 copies. So presumably... Well, maybe with all with the
0: re-releases and the compilations right. and all that and, stuff. And yeah.
1: Phone releases and all that other stuff. But, but apparently out of the gate, uh, this was not a big seller. And they also talked about how they got their honeys handed to them by the King's Quest series over and over. In fact, there's even mm-hmm. a joke in here about it somewhere. I remember seeing as it go by. So the... Uh, uh, the King's Quest series, which I know you're a fan of that too.
0: No, uh, I'm not actually.
1: Oh, I thought you liked some of the old King's Quest no, games from back no. in the day. did I buy you one of those? Uh-huh. So that was a that was a wrong thing to buy. I, I like see. the box. I like <laughs> the box. <laughs> Thanks for letting me down easy back then, Bo. <laughs> I thought I was doing you real solid, man. So uh so th- I would say that probably this was not a, a a big seller. Now on the Amiga, one would wonder how many people went out of their way to pirate eleven discs worth of game on this uh, because even i don't think i had this one and i pirated everything back in Mm -hmm. the day so maybe
0: that was part of the strategy is (laughs) you to defeat piracy by just putting your game on an insane amount of discs
1: it does have a a a code wheel that you have to Mm -hmm. that you can deal with Uh, i saw that when i was looking at the documentation so that's always a good time and it comes up right at the beginning of the game let's talk about uh how this did with reviewers boat uh if i if i may so the people over at Lemon, of course, guess what? They like this game. It's clocking in at an eight point nine two. Uh, I looked over the reviews for the various Amiga mags. Uh, Amiga actually gave it ninety five. Amiga Computing gave it the same score, ninety five. Amiga Format gave it the same score, ninety five. Amiga Joker, they hate everything. Both they gave this an eighty seven. So this wow. is that that that's a that's, that's like two hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Amiga Power gave it a 90, CU Amiga 95, the 194 uh Zero gave it 92 and the total average score according to Lemon on this was a 92. A uh, 92% which that is amongst the highest reviewed games we've ever looked at on here. Uh b- b- probably in the top 2 or 3. I mean it's way up the list.
0: Well our uh, our patrons tended to agree with that Aaron because yeah, what on, you the, got? On, the, on the on the on the Discord uh, we start with Ricky Derosha he says, a true classic of the, of the point-and-click genre, featuring a fun story, wacky humor, great graphics, stellar music, and some clever puzzles. The only real weakness in the game is the weird ending. The Amiga version sadly <laughs> suffers from having a lot of the music cut out, but it's still a great experience regardless. 10 out of 10. Wow. Uh, let's see. Uh, Dave Velociraptor writes, Monkey Island 2 is one of my favorite games, and it's every boy, it's one of everybody else's favorite games for very good reasons. It's highly polished, the puzzles are good, and only a few will really get you stuck. The solutions will not make you feel angry or cheated. It's a worthy sequel to a game that was probably the first of its kind to set that kind of experience. Although Monkey Island 1 wasn't an immediate financial success, someone seems to have told them how good it was and encouraged them to produce an even better sequel. The first one is still well worth playing, but this is the biggest treasure in the series. While the PC and the Amiga port are both worth playing, alas, the Amiga loses out on the beautiful synth music that has become one of the biggest show-offs of the MT-32 and isn't as smooth. But it doesn't stop being a good port. PC version is better, and that's the best version to play. But there's nothing wrong with the Amiga version. I'm not a fan of the art style of the later PC special edition. 9 out of 10 on the Amiga. I
1: agree with that, by the way. Paul,
0: a.k.a. Hermski, writes, A Herm firm, 10 out of 10. There are not many games from back in the day that can hold its own in today's world. This is one of them. The original Monkey Island is a work of art, but this one is even better. Much larger game with even more puzzles than the first to solve over three vast maps. Great comedy, character, story, and music that have had players hooked, puzzling over for days. The spitting competition and bones riddle were two of the most memorable, frustrating parts of the game for me. I'm pleased they got rid of the insult battles this time around. Although they were funny to begin with, it became a bit tedious after a while. The final end scene was a little strange and disappointing, but who cares? All the fun and value for money was inside the game and still is. Oh, and who can forget the 11-disc juggling act we all had to endure? Draw uh, DrawWiz77 says, It's my favorite all-time game soundtrack. After playing, I typically end up humming the tunes for days. Lobsterminator writes, Monkey Island 2 is a, uh, it says, uh, Lucasfilm arts adventures are an almost once a year replay for me. I love them. Monkey Island 2 is no exception. I've mainly played it on DOS and Scum VM, but I've also played it on the Amiga. The game expanded the world and added enough new stuff that it feels fresh compared to the first one. The floppy version came on 11 floppies. This was not the optimal way to experience the game. We played it, but with a grimace. Uh, forearmed grimace. In fact, the music on the Amiga version is lacking compared to MT32 and even adlib music. It's still pretty nice, but the Amiga sound chip is just not at its best with the elaborate MIDI music. This was a game that was startling. Well, this was a game that was starting to show the limits of the Amiga for me. I will cheat a bit and give it three scores. The floppy A500 version, five out of ten. Accelerated WHD Amiga version, uh, eight out of ten. And the game itself, ten out of ten. Graham W. Webke writes, This is the Skyrim of the Amiga, a game everyone else plays and seems to love, and yet I can't be bothered. The same (laughs) Monkey Island formula, the same humor attempts. I guess now looking back after playing some other point and click titles, if you have no nostalgia for this game, it's actually not that appealing to me. Still, I'm happy for everyone else rating it as one of their all time favorites, as many will. I can't, so please don't hold that against me. But I do see where, if you like this, it would be probably a high ranked game as it is polished. Big whoop de doo, I would much rather play Loom or Fate of Atlantis. They are more my style. This is a LeChuck 5 out of 10 for me. Super Famic King writes You know, this is a popular game here. We got quite a few. I noticed that, yeah. Although I have a nostalgic preference for the first Monkey Island game, I have to admit the sequel is the pinnacle of point and click adventure gaming. LucasArts ironed out any faults of the first game, improved the graphics, sound, and game length. The scum engine had been perfected this time out, and the iMuse sound is actually quite impressive. All the same lovable characters are back, with a host of new ones and an incredibly engaging story. These titles are genuinely funny with laugh-out-loud moments. The puzzles are clever, but never ridiculous. On 11 discs back in the day, I didn't get annoyed or find it a problem at all, and with modern methods of play, this is no longer an issue. A landmark title that is still the point and click benchmark nearly 30 years later. Maybe doesn't have the long-term replay value due to the nature of the game, but while it lasts, nothing comes close. In my top ten games from any system ever, eleven out of ten.
1: <laughs> wow. Way over the top on that booster. Um uh, Is it was Can that I, the last one? Heck no, oh, man. Oh, I'm sorry. Keep going.
0: Keep going. Pixels of Dawn writes, I think I must be one of the few people who didn't play the Monkey Island games back in the day, even though I'm a fan of the genre, but I sure have now. While not my favorite output of the LucasArts point-and-click stable, Monkey Island 2 is one of their most polished games with gloriously pixelated locations and smartly written dialogue. Monkey Island 2 improves on the original and expands the scope of its puzzles and is truly a joy to play. Of course, this swapping could have been a pain back in the day, but for a slow-paced game like this, not a massive problem. And having had the opportunity to voice act some of the characters on streams for a certain RMC, it has a special place in my heart. Yo-ho-ho and a 9 out of 10. And finally, Zebedee's Magic Roundabout says, The Monkey Island series was the best reason to buy an Amiga. Ten out of ten.
1: Wow! <laughs> have we ever gotten that much response of anything we've ever covered? I don't think we absolutely have. not, and certainly not that much pause. Even even people didn't like it. Gave it a decent. It's uh, a grudging
0: bonus. respect. Yeah,
1: you know I will say some people talked about the and uh, we and we mentioned it too, but the MIDI uh, aspect of the tunes. I did look at the PC DOS version of this, and the funny thing about it is that there's, I'd say the music's, I'd say the Amiga is on par musically. But the difference is there's just not that much music, right? Uh, in it, and so uh, uh, there's a lot of times I will say if there if there is any downside, there's a lot of times where you're just going to sit in there, and your and your and there's no tune at all, and it just it will kick up when something happens. Now I will say,
0: of- looking at these two, it yeah. does look like the DAW, the MS DOS version does have a, a there's less there's less pixelated gradient in everything. And I don't know if that is the. uh, I don't know if that's just the you know the 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 resolution that these videos come from. It's hard to say. It does look like the PC version looks a tiny bit better to me. Yeah, but it's very very close.
1: I agree. Well, I mean, it's just it's better res. Yeah, Uh, but I mean they're they're both on. They're they're you're not gonna you're not gonna be taking a bath if you play the Amiga version. Heck no. Heck no. And uh, again, once again, the the fact that you've got these the WHD loads now to uh, take care of this. Uh, really does take you the most painful part of this away because this thing had a rep for being a uh, you giving your arm a workout from all the uh, all the sw- disk swapping back and forth. You know, before we close this up, but I want to mention that uh, this game was very popular amongst the magazines. As we mentioned, Amiga Joker uh, gave this their best game of nineteen ninety two, uh, best adventure game of ninety two. Computer Gaming World named it the best adventure game of the year ninety in ninety two. Uh, it was 74th and 150 best games of all time from them, uh, and also the number two funniest game of all time, along with Monkey Island 1. So yeah. this game is one of those I mean, games I can't that, like, think, is over.
0: I can't think of another game that's even in the same universe in terms of humor as this game. I mean, most games, humor's a hard thing to pull off in video yeah, absolutely. games, very yes, hard. Yeah. And uh and most games fail miserably. And uh and it's it, it this is this is the, the the exception that proves the rule.
1: Yeah, so uh, I looked this up on eBay to see how it was how how it was going along. So you've basically got on the Amiga, you've got a couple of different versions of this boat. You've got the original version, you've got like a re release or a budget release from Kicks. The original is going for well over a hundred bucks US. Uh, you can get the re-release for about forty to fifty bucks, but if you want the original, you're going to be paying up in a hundred (coughs) and twenty dollar range. Excuse me. So, uh, get get the checkbook out, boat. If you're gonna, I mean, I, I will say this would be a nice one to have. Uh, but, uh, I surely wouldn't want to play it for nostalgic purposes by putting all the discs back in. That's for darn sure.
0: Yeah. And in the chat, they mentioned Leisure Suit Larry. I will admit that that game is also in the same category. At least the, the, the ones that I've played are also quite funny. So yeah, but of course those are, you, those are less, less kid friendly than Monkey Island.
1: Yeah. Sure. I think in terms of the humor, uh, this was at the tippity top. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right, Aaron. Well, why don't we leave uh, the Scab Island and move on to what's been going on in the Amigos community, a.k.a. what's been going on on YouTube, Aaron?
1: All right, man. Let's get it done. So we had uh, we had four or five different videos pop up this uh, week, Boaster. We'll start off with, guess what? It's me and the Brent, the, and this time around on ARG, we, I will say I learned a lot on this one, Boaster. We did the Polygame Master versus Neo Geo. This was a, a request from one of the listeners. Now, before this episode, I'd never heard of the Polygame Master. I had no idea what that was. But I had played some of the games for it. Of course, we knew what the Neo Geo was. It turns out the Polygame Master is like Neo Geo Jr., basically. It's the same exact concept. In fact, it even looks sort of the same. Uh, if you look at them side by side, they're both cart. They're both video arcade uh, systems that plug into a JAMA slot that take cartridges, both. Mm-hmm. That's as simple as that. Now, the PGM had far, far fewer... Uh, games and far, far fewer successful games or popular games, but it did have a lot of cave shooters, uh, which are very popular. Uh, the the Dodon Pachis and the and and whatnot. And you also had uh, some uh, real popular beat em ups, which i actually played on here. Me and the boy had played some of these. It was interesting. It's it's fun to see something like this where a, a, an outfit from Taiwan just comes in and says, Heck, we can do that, and they do it with yeah. some success. So that was a lot of fun. Uh, I think you could probably guess who won, but it's still an interesting uh, attempt. And I would say ultimately, uh, the, the they made some money out of this thing. That's the important thing. So if you want to check that out, uh, head on over. That's ARG Presents 164. Boaster, you want to talk about this? This, we just popped this out. Uh, this is the old Ask the Amigos, man.
0: Yeah. So we did uh, Ask the Amigos for April 2021 as we are moving rapidly into May. Uh-huh. And, uh, we tackled a wide variety of questions sent in by our Discord community. So we appreciate those. Uh, and uh, I guess the uh, the head question was real-time or turn-based strategy. So you can see what we had to say about that. And, of course, we'd like to hear from you to weigh in on these questions, too. Just leave us a comment on the old YouTube video.
1: I'll spoil it. The answer is no. <laughs> no, no to both those. No strategy. So, <laughs> this is this was a surprise because this did pretty well for us, Boatster. Uh, this, you know, every Friday, I like to get down in Funky, uh, Boat, and play some crazy stream games. In fact, I'll be doing it again tonight, and last week, you know, I can't stay away from my beloved Amiga, and this is another round of games for the Amiga you've never heard of, uh, Boat, and so I had all the members of the, uh, uh of the chat get together with me, and we just picked out some random stuff, and then tried it. Now, listen, they're not all winners, uh, if you know what I mean. In fact, this right here was a loser, Sidewinder 2. Mm. But Sidewinder 1 was awesome. We also found uh, some really good, uh, uh this was a real fun game. We probably found a handful of really fun titles. One yeah, of these days that looks all be, right. That yeah, looks like does.
0: gods, but actually good.
1: This was kind of like, it's just called like Metal something. I don't remember the name of it. I Thank I mean, God I wrote this stuff down. Yeah, uh, that looks pretty nice. We also found another game. Remember Light Shock? Who they, they were responsible for uh, uh, fighting spirit and they also did uh, pray for death on the PC. Mm-hmm. We found one of their games on here, uh, which I don't remember what it was. Let me see what it was. It was I, I think we kind of liked it. It's we did do so many of these. Oh, that's right, Black Viper. We did that, which we played that on. We think we played that on the show one time for a, a playthrough. But anyway, there's a ton of games in here. If you want to watch, see some crap, now you've never you, seen were you were you
0: running the uh, the Unamiga on this stream?
1: No, well, I mean, no, I was actually using the Mister on this one. Okay. This is the first okay. time out of the gate I tried the Mister. It went well, uh, but I will say the Mister and the Unamiga are effectively for this particular core they're identical, except for the Unamiga is uh, uh, isn't as updated as the Mister. Mm-hmm. So in actuality, some stuff that I couldn't run on the Unamiga actually works on the on the Mister, which is great. Uh, so uh that was that's fun and we'll probably i'll probably kick the tires on the mystery again tonight and by the way I, i'm in case i didn't mention it last week thank you very much for the mystery. i appreciate it i've had a good time with the boat oh you're uh, welcome so anyway if you want to see me play some random uh amiga games you've never heard of check me out there now here's one boat holy smokes you want to talk talk us through this one this is another offering uh yeah what... so
0: paul has really uh Hermsky has uh really fallen into a um Kind of a honey hole here with the uh, with the text adventure games on the spectrum. This is Invincible Island. Look at that cover art, man! Yeah, uh, of course, he gives you a, a little uh, you know introduction, a little history lesson. These are all Richard Shepherd software games. Um, and, uh, and I'll tell you, this is a cool looking one. I, I sort of skipped around this one. Uh, some of these Paul gives commentary and some of them he doesn't, he gives commentaries as, as he goes through this. Uh, there's a really neat section in this game. This is another one of these games that that's the, the screen is half uh, yeah. picture and half words. Yeah. I grew um, up on these. And yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's a section here where there's actually your, you've got a redacted parchment and the way that the game sort of renders the text, like it kind of goes into full screen mode, but it blacks out some of the text, it's it's pretty cool. It was something neat that I hadn't seen from a from a text adventure game before. So, uh, you know, Paul, he's he's a great, he's he's a he's a great sort of guide as we work through these these titles, and uh, and uh, we appreciate all the work that he does. And uh, and uh, putting these up for the you know keeping all of these sort of more uh, obscure spectrum games out there in the public eye.
1: We should mention that Paul, we I used his video for the uh for the Monkey Island Two footage that he he did a complete playthrough of that. So also good yeah. thing to, to look out for. That was I think he released that. And last Paul week.
0: also chose this. uh He also chose this this week's game for the Amigos Game Selection Committee. There you so go. the synchronicity board.
1: <laughs> yeah. Now here's one here. It's our good pal Frodo is back now i actually went through this i didn't get to catch it live uh but this he's looking at the year uh the first year of the c64 now i've seen him do this with the coco a couple other i think he did it for the snes a couple other ones i will say this one was tough the first year of the c64 not so good <laughs> i didn't
0: think no. I thought did you
1: watch did you flip through this at all i mean you no i haven't watched real... this one yet that looks horrible well, no, listen, get used to it. I mean, you've got some real, I and <laughs> if you think about the potential, I mean, we know the C64 blossomed into one of the all-time great gaming computers, but man, well, you wouldn't have say. known it from the first year. I mean, you've got some real duds in here. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, but that's uh, sort of
0: the way of the world as it is with, with, I mean, you know, most computers, if you look at the first year that they were in existence, they're not setting the world on fire. It takes a while That's for true. people to settle in to program for these. You're
1: things. right. You're absolutely correct. Including, I mean, hey, listen, we uh, the first year of the Amiga he did is a perfect example. There were there was not. A, it's not like they were. Uh, there were no uh, top shelf titles like out of the gate for the most part. <laughs> you were stuck with some of the duds. So, but this is interesting. Anything that Frodo uh, streams is top shelf because he's always uh, very interesting, entertaining, and he's always got a lot of good chat going. He's always he he draws a crowd. So highly Mm -hmm. recommend this one Uh, and it's a good way to educate yourself to see what was out there during the first year of your favorite system and so it's nice that he's coming up to the c64 so give that a shot both and i think my friend that is all we've got uh from new video
0: awesome awesome all right well um let's go ahead and move right on down to uh let's see who what do we need to do ah yes Of course, we need to thank all of our fine, fine Twitch subscribers. You can subscribe to uh, uh, our show on Twitch, twitch.tv slash amigos Retro Gaming. We record live every Friday night around 5 o'clock. We want to thank Pints and Amiga. Mitsuyama, EOR 4077, Macintosh Librarian, Amy Steph, Da, Crabs MTG, Jigglebox, Super Famic King, Wide World of Retro, Captain Chaos, DK, Retro Rewind.ca, Memories of a Spectrum Gamer, John Marshall 3, Blue Train, Buck Owens, Still Adolescing, Great Owl G, Super Tech Boy, Gary Heather, JB Dark Anubis, Christian Russel, Blow Jellyfish, Frodo and L, Paco Take, ChronosNet, Sigurd. Tenmark, Cube, NegSol, R-Typer, Kuzjornski, and, of course, you, Aaron, the Devil Bunny. Thank you for being a Twitch subscriber.
1: You're welcome, (laughs) Boat. So,
0: um, now, Aaron, we are going to be recording again tomorrow. People might be interested to know. Um, So, tomorrow, we are going to record three back-to-back, non-stop, action-filled episodes of The Coco Show. 1200 XL and our Sinclair Uh, on the Coco show this, this time we're going to be doing springster uh, popular Coco three title Uh, for the uh, 1200 XL. We're going to be doing none other than one of Aaron's all time favorite games Archon. and on our Sinclair, we're going to be playing nobody's all time favorite game, Monte Carlo casino. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, We've got a lot of stuff to say about all these games uh, and uh, it'll be a big party. We're going to do it all live on Twitch, and of course, release those episodes over the next month on our YouTube channel. And absolutely, podcasts, but... of course. All right, Aaron. You know, last week's Patreon song was probably the most answered Patreon song of all time. We got more correct responses than anybody. But I want to lead things off uh, with uh, Pack Billy who shares a story. Last week's Patreon song was Sitting on the Dock of the Bay by Otis Redding. And Pack Billy writes, My dad actually met Otis Redding at a gas station in Florida on the border between Alabama and Florida. My dad was touring with his band, and he was standing behind Otis in line to pay. When he got to the counter, he asked this guy, Was that Otis Redding? And the guy showed him Otis's credit card receipt. Then he ran outside and flagged him down. Otis hung out with my dad and his bandmates and shot the proverbial for a good while dad said that he had several empty whiskey bottles in the front seat. Those are for the boys in the band. Otis said (laughs) my dad's band played several of Otis's songs and they were all big fans. A year after my dad died, I was passing through Florida and took a picture of the place where he met Otis Redding, which is now a mechanic shop, but they still have the old gas pumps out front. And it turns out that pack Billy's dad uh, was in a band uh, that actually released a uh a their own record. They actually had a 45 that was released. Uh the name of the band was uh I'm just looking it up now because I forgot to make a note of it. Uh it was the Reflections and uh they they had a they had a, a song on 45 called Don't Talk Don't Bother Me. So there you go. What a story, Aaron.
1: That's that's crazy. You know I will say if it wasn't for those old timey credit card receipt things they'd never he never known. Right you no know, chink chink things. <laughs> don't see it anymore. full credit it. card
0: number printed on those, by the way. Oh there was yeah, no, there was no security back
1: then. Were in the you day. were you using cards when those were still around?
0: Uh. No, I mean, whenever the power goes out and you're working in a retail establishment, that's what you've got to use. So I'm familiar with them. Like when I worked at Apple, we'd have to use this. It's very embarrassing when the power goes down in an Apple store, because what are you doing at that point? You know, but yeah, we used them. <laughs> I love it. Um, I love that. But, uh, I love but it. yeah, that, I didn't have a credit card until I moved, until I graduated from college. I mean, mm, I, I went through all through college
1: without one. Good did move. you have a
0: credit card when you were in college?
1: I did. And I guess not, you were Mr. Money Banks listen, back then. So. I don't like to tell a story, but so I, when I lived in Huntington, I was going to Marshall, I had no money. I mean, I had zero money. And I went to the student center, and these guys were like, listen, hey, pal, and I had no food either. Mm-hmm. And I, they were like, listen, if you sign up for this credit card, even if you don't get it, we will give you two two liters of your choice. I was like, I'm in. And that's how I got my first credit <laughs> card. I signed up for it right there on the spot. And of course, these were like shifty bobs all night credit oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. And so guess what? I was accepted. And I was like, well, since I've got it, I might as well use it to so provide pizza and stuff with it. Well, lo and behold, you got to pay that stuff back, Boat. It's weird, you know, weird how that t- works. The two leaders were free. That's how they hooked me. And then mm-hmm. they sunk their claws into me for many years. So, but I ultimately, I did. I, I don't have, I've paid off all my credit cards, thank God. Uh, but it was a long haul to get there. I can tell you that.
0: Listen, I, I only delayed the inevitable. I signed up for my first credit card at a Baltimore Orioles game. <laughs>
1: so <laughs> we are irresponsible but yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so um but we want to thank uh of course uh all the other people that that uh answered correctly rob o'hara number one with a bullet again this week uh Barkbit got it right frodo nl hermski terry howard jason warns allen pixels at dawn matthew Perron. Pack Billy, Zorglub, Dave Velociraptor, Gary Heather, and Bernard Lucas. Mm. Thank you guys so much for answering correctly. And if you know this week's Patreon song challenge, then please send me an email at john at amigospodcast.com. We've got got, uh, another sort of Patreon group band going on. Uh, We've got several different irons in the fire with the Patreon bands. And uh, we hope you enjoy this one. Hit it, Aaron.
2: scarlet Heavy Systems, Ink, Bundy, Bragg, I find the noble, Rose Joseph Harrison, Kyle Rival Hera, Matthew Larimore, Andy Craig, Sean old Bart Bitt, Roland Bird. Russell, so, Rabby, Apigree, Spoles, Lauren, Giroux, Grand Defty, Adam, Battersby, O'Brien's Brian's advantage, Gary, Hucka, Paul, Harrington, Duncan, Styles, tapes from the crib, Josh, Dan, Adam, Bradley, Jonas, Ruler, T.H.E., Eric, Nelson, Kim, Tommy, Lumber,
0: So uh if you uh, if you're into the uh, there uh, my phone immediately blew up. I think you have to be of a certain age from a certain a certain a certain place. I don't know how big this particular band was over across the pond. They sort of had their own scene going on at the same time It was very unlike the
1: scene that that came out of. My, my eardress blew up when you put that thing down. Good God yeah. boat and I, I think I like that group and song. The drones well, were solid, but the lead singer—good God! I thought he was pretty great myself.
0: Holy I he, smokes! I he rocked it. No. Um, so anyway, uh, Aaron reminded me that we forgot to do our high score challenge for this week, and this is a big deal because uh, we we have the on the uh, the Specky high score challenge. We've got Miami Cobra GT uh, Z9 K9 Immediately uh, upon first playing the game, completed the game and scored uh, 67,000 points. I believe a more normal score was submitted by Frodo, 3,102. Uh-huh. I do plan on submitting a score for Miami Colbert GD because I do like the game. Uh, and so uh, you can also take part over on the Discord. And then we also have our Amigos high score, which we're doing a little bit different this week. We're, we're seeing who can max out the score in uh, this game called Wrong Way Driver, which is a new release for the Amiga. I like this game because it doesn't look like an Amiga game. The way the art style looks, it looks more like a console game. Uh, Apparently, this is a pretty easy game to max out. So in honor for our 300th episode, we're going to see who can join the 9999 Score Club. And we've got quite a few people that are on that list so far. So jump in Take part on the wrong way driver challenge. Now, Aaron, uh, we have a couple other shows on the network that have just released some new content. Why don't
1: you tell us about those? Just want to give a little shout out to our uh, sort of our stable mates here, our, our good buddies over at the Pixel Gaiden podcast. I think their show just popped out yesterday, today, uh, their new episode. And I know, uh, our good buddy Jack Flack, Rob Flack O'Hara, I believe has a, uh, uh, uh you don't know Flack or Sprite house let's do any day now. So for God's sakes, if you don't check these guys out, please give them a listen. The Pixel Gaiden guys uh, specialize in uh, kind of retro computers and video games with a modern slant, because they also play a lot of modern stuff that's retro-inspired, and they're crazy about the hardware uh, boat. They're always upgrading and getting new acquisitions. And of course, you don't want to forget Sanctioned, uh, who's also a big part of the show does a, does a uh, the British slant on things and Jack Flack of course does uh, two great podcasts well, actually does more than two but the two we focus on is Sprite Castle which is his C sixty four show and of course you don't know Flack the perennial masterpiece of the uh, of the Rob O'Hara uh, Empire which is always a great listen so check these guys out they are always entertaining.
0: Yeah, 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 and of course I can't believe I forgot to do this. Uh, the the we had the our in our Patreon band we had Lobsterminator playing the steel drums and Graham W. Webkey showing off his amazing drum kit. He has the best drum kit in the smallest space. That's, yeah. ever been, uh, that's ever been, and congrats to Graham, who just b- recently became a red symbol ambassador. Red is one of the big up-and-coming symbol brands out of Australia by way of Turkey. Graham has just become a brand ambassador for them, so wow. he might have something something cooking coming up soon, so be on the lookout for that.
1: You know, Graham set up, he sent some pictures in Discord, which is another good reason to that- Sign up for Discord. It's so much fun in there. And Graham, he he has PK zipped a drum kit into a little area there. It's unbelievable. It's a universe of drums. So, congratulations. And you say Lobsterminator was playing the steel drums?
0: Yeah, he was playing the steel drums on that one. So, we got it all, man. It's too bad you uh, guys
1: let boats stink up the joint with your beautiful music.
0: That's true. That's true. And of course, I invite anybody. And that's listening right now if you'd like to take a stab at the patreon song uh send me a message on discord and uh, i'll send you the list of names and you can you can take it to town i don't have a problem sharing the love on the they discord need to take a song.
1: stab at the guy singing the disc the songs is what they need to do I'll be, ducking a good those stabs, stabs. Yeah. I'll be
0: bobbing and weaving all right before we get out of here aaron it's time to thank all the fine folks that make the show the show i'm talking about the people in the chat it's a, a big nice crowd today. tonight it's a yeah yeah it is uh, so uh, let's go ahead and, and name them, shall we? We've got both of our moderators doing a fantastic job. The Dunk, Duncan Styles, and Pixels at Dawn Gaming, mm-hmm. uh, fresh off his performance over at the Dyna Blaster Olympics. We've also got Amiga Live with us here. Atten, Barkbit is here with us. Always glad to see Barkbit. Bitstorm, Blow Jellyfish, Matt's joined us.
1: Oh, Rock101, no. <laughs>
0: Buck Owens, Canadian Retro Things is here uh co brian carbon 14 commander root cowbird boys here with us data dog uk dave velociraptor delamort 78 edvin helland frodo and l Jigglebox, great owl g grams in the house Hamo ones here hermski paul Bossman is with us level lord jason warrens jk dk l curtis b all hail <laughs> Lobsterminator, Lord Soup, Mitsuyama, Mr. Cola, Australix is Paulina's here, uh, Picard 2010, Pie Gravity, R Typer, Retro Rewind.ca, Robin Wendell, Rob O'Hara, Scumboy, Super Tech Boy, TomToms, Turkin <laughs> X76, VNK, Vigoro Pros, Wishbone, Zamatamute, Ziggy Blop, and Old Zorglove45. Yeah, well said, by the way. Thank you.
1: That la- one of those is hard to pronounce.
0: Yeah, half of them, <laughs> all of them. All right. So we, we appreciate the raid, Amiga Live. Uh, it's, it's a, uh, we, we're glad that you're with us. Unfortunately, we're leaving. <laughs> we're done. We will see you guys next week. Next week, hey, guess what, everybody? We are going to be playing a Pixels at Dawn pick. We're going to be playing Pinball Dreams. This was originally a, this is another one of our Amigos second look uh, uh, category games where we, we talked about Pinball Dreams way, way back in 2015, I'm sure, when we first started the show, and uh, we're going to be giving it the full episode treatment, because I believe that it was part of a show that included three to
1: 16 other games in <laughs> no, the you original you were going to say that, but I yeah. knew you were going to say it. And we, by the way, before we completely shut it down, we're only... Two episodes away from the big one, boat episode three hundred. And let me tell you something, I've been combing back through the era of of the Amigos to pull out the choicest morsels, that the the wackiest moments, the biggest screw ups, uh, and the stuff that you've never saw before. And we're trying to we're going to try to put something fun together for the 300. Something a little bit different uh, this time out, because gosh, we've uh, we've celebrated anniversaries every couple every couple years, we get to celebrate one. But we're going to try to do some unique stuff this time around. So please, please join us for episode 300 in a few short weeks.
0: Yes, and that show will be we're we're reuniting, and it feels so good. We'll be together physically in the same space. For the first time in over a year, if yeah, as I mean, far as gosh, goes. Gosh, that's so.
1: crazy, Boat. Good yeah. Lord.
0: Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Until then, <laughs> adios. adios.